If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Coming up on Studios America, we're witnessing the fall of the House of Zucker, and Rob Eno has some thoughts to share on that. Shack Attack has a change of heart on vaccine mandates, or does he? I'm going to give you 10 bucks just for tuning in today. Head to blazetv.com slash stew and use my promo code stew for a discounted Blaze TV subscription. Don't miss out. And is there anything in the world that could salvage the state of journalism in our country at this point? Probably not, honestly. But I've got a good idea where to start. So let's do the media's COVID credibility. Stu does America. say a little bit later on tonight, I think to myself, I'm going to design a plane. I don't know anything about aerodynamics at all. I'd make a really crappy plane. I mean, I know how to, know the basic shape, right? It's got a couple wings. It's got a, you know, a place where people sit, pilots sit in front, got a propeller or jet engine, something like that. And I try to design a plane and I'd probably be pretty bad at it. There's a, about a 100% chance that plane would crash almost immediately if I had the funding to put one together. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't understand it. And in that scenario, it would make a lot of sense for some, uh, some you know, uh, engineer to say to me, hey, idiot, we know what we're talking about. Just follow the science. This is how this stuff works, right? The air lifts up the plane at this, you got to go this speed, so it lifts the plane up, you fly around, I don't know, you give out some pretzels, you land the thing, right? That's the science behind flying, eh, roughly, you know. As you can tell, I'd be a really good engineer. There's that. And then there's another side of the science equation. The science equation where you say, hey, we're in the middle of the craziest thing we've ever seen in our lives, and sometimes we'll get some stuff right, sometimes we'll get some stuff wrong, we're going to do our best to tell you what's going on. That doesn't work for engineering, but it's the type of thing that, you know, our health, public health officials are in the middle of as we, for the past couple of years with COVID. And frankly, both of them are okay. It's okay to, uh, to say, I absolutely know what I'm talking about. We've done this a thousand times. There is no question about the science of how this airplane is going to work. Follow the science. You idiot. That is actually okay. We complain about that all the time. That's totally okay when it comes to building an airplane, building a boat, figuring out how fast something's going to fall from the sky with gravity. These things are really, really sure. Scientists know them very well. So you can either have follow the science, you idiot, we know what we're talking about, or you can have look. This is an impossible situation. It's hitting us right now. We're doing our absolute best. Here's what we know. We're not 100% sure on this. Make your best decision. Make your best choice. You can have either follow the science or you can have, ah, this is a difficult one and we're not sure which way we're going to go. You can't have both. That is really important. 
but it's what our public health apparatus has tried to have with COVID. They've tried to say every time they get something wrong, they say, well, look, it's an, we're in the middle of an impossible situation. Pandemic hit us out of nowhere. Who knows what's going to happen? We're learning about this with you. I mean, please give us some grace here. OK, that's a fine approach. However, you can't combine that with, hey, idiot, listen to us. Follow the science. We know what we're talking about because you clearly don't. You might know more than the average Joe on the Internet. You might know more than the average person out there. But you don't know this to the level that you need to know it to be able to boss us around and give us mandates and yell at us and call us dumb if we don't listen to you. And we've seen over and over again they get something wrong. When they think they're right, they tell you, shut up, listen to the science, or we're going to ban you. And when they finally realize that what they've been saying this whole time is wrong, they go back to the other side and they say, oh, well, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's a tough time. You know, people are going through a lot. I mean, can't you be a little forgiving? I mean, we're trying to figure this stuff out. We're trying to do the best thing for everybody. This is why people should be able to make their own decisions. And uh, I thought America was a place where that was pretty easy. Now, I will say, if you happen to be in a red state, you may have been living that life here over the past few months, maybe a year, maybe even longer. You know, I, I, uh, as I said on this program, May 1st, 2020, it's a Friday night. I finished this show and I went out to a restaurant and I ate indoors. Mm-hmm. May 1st, 2020. I said that to a friend of mine from New York and they literally gasped. They gasped. After I said that, but that was that's been life in Texas. It was restricted a little bit at the beginning. It opened up pretty quickly and we've been pretty much back to normal. Now, look, damage was, of course, done to many businesses. There's a lot of stuff that we could look back on and, and, and say uh, we're, we're, some of the things were good. Some of the things were not good. But the bottom line was things got back to normal relatively quickly here in Texas. But the states up uh, north, some of them out west, have still been in this weird state of terrifying fear, and they've projected that onto their kids. Another uh, fun Texas fact, uh, my kids went back to school on August 13th, 20, uh, 2020. Um, you know, that they went back to school the day they were supposed to go back to school the whole time. That, that's been life in Texas. That has not been life in places like New York or California. And slowly but surely over time, the things that Ron DeSantis was saying, the things that, you know, Greg Abbott was saying, the things that a lot of red state governors were saying and doing have slowly infiltrated themselves across the country. And now that we're passing Omicron, you're starting to see it in major, major ways. Um, uh, New Jersey, Delaware, Connecticut, California and Oregon are all announcing the lifting of some level of their mask mandates, either for schools or complete indoor mask mandates. New York and Washington are apparently getting close to doing so as well. And I will say this, I, as if I didn't, like, as if Gavin Newsom wasn't annoying enough, I'm going to the Super Bowl this weekend. I will be there going through all this, the fun stuff that goes along with the Super Bowl, and there will be an indoor mask mandate until the day I leave. And he's freaking lifting it the day after the Super Bowl. Bastard. Mm -hmm. Anybody else but this guy. And you know what? If Joe uh, is not uh, the top of the ticket in 2024, could be Kamala, of course, maybe. Ooh. But Gavin Newsom wants that gig. Just watch him. Watch out for him. Um, so... Why are they doing this? Well, there's a bunch of reasons. And part of it is, well, the 
the the science completely has backed this up for a very long time. The science has not changed. In fact, science does not change. The science is the science. Our understanding of the science does change from time to time, but the science is always the same. It doesn't change. It's a constant. That's what science is. So basically, you're seeing the numbers come way down from Omicron. Well, we're down, down to you know, about 50% drop off from cases. The hospitalizations have dropped off maybe 20, 25%. Uh, the deaths are just peaking now and hopefully will be coming down. Uh, you know, if they haven't already, they're going to be coming down over the next week. And so we're getting past that, and that's, that's part of it. But really, you know, a mask mandate for kids would never made sense. We've talked about that since literally March of 2020. Uh, it was never a sensible thing to uh, shut down schools for long periods of time. It was never a sensible thing uh, to mask kids in school. Uh, it never made any sense. It, this isn't one of those things that, oh, we've now woken up to it. We knew this from the start. All the countries around the world have been doing the opposite of us. We are this one weird holdout that wants to mask their kids. And I think there's an element of this now that, yes, the, you know, the cases are coming down and, and things are starting to calm down a little bit. But that does not explain this rapid change of heart by blue states who all of a sudden have realized that this just doesn't work at all. And it's hard to to disconnect this uh, this change of heart from the politics of the situation. You have the 2022 uh, elections coming up here in just a few months. Uh, they're about to get into the, uh, the you know, fee- to hit a fever pitch. We're gonna have primaries coming up really, really soon. All that's going on. You have the president's State of the Union coming up in just a couple of weeks. All of this packed together, and you're starting to see Republicans now point out the immense hypocrisy that has been going on from, uh, from the left and Democrats in particular. And the most most extreme, most vivid example of the failures of Democrats over the past couple of years is masking kids in school. And this this ad, which is, is new, is just I mean, it's it's heart wrenching, honestly, and it's incredibly powerful. And you're going to see a lot of this type of stuff from Republicans over the next uh, uh, several months. Here is the the uh, the ad. Um, I don't have the, uh, the, well, you'll see, they'll they'll tell you who it's from. They always say they they approve the message, so check it out. They see the joy. The Emmy goes to... Kids see what they are missing. And there's the kids behind the plexiglass with the masks on, at home, doing at-home learning. All right, does anybody have masked up in class. Democrats are putting kids last. Teachers unions are putting kids last. It's paid by the State Government Leaders Foundation of America. But it's a really good, uh, really good ad and powerful, and they know they're going to get hit with this stuff. And so Joe uh, Biden is going to try to take credit and say, hey, I freed everyone this year. I don't know if anyone's going to buy that. Probably some dumb people will. So this is, though, really a monologue about COVID. It's about the media and the media's credibility. Let me give you a new poll. This is from Axios. Uh, how should the U.S. handle COVID-19 at this time? Open up and get back to life as, as usual with no mandates or requirements, 21%. Now, look, being a, a conservative, seeing the news coverage that I see every day, I can tell you that's not how it feels. It feels like it would be higher than that, but that's 21%. Move towards opening up with precautions, 29%. Mostly keep precautions and requirements in place, so the kind of the status quo at 23%, and increase mask mandates and vaccine requirements, 21%. Couple interesting things there. You can see that half the country wants to open up more than we're at already. 
Um, and only about 21% wanted to go the other way. So we see a lot of these voices from the left uh, asking for more mandates, more lockdowns, the teachers unions, all these terrible groups. In reality, it's a pretty small slice of the population that wants more restrictions. Um, uh, and of course, the split is gigantic. Of the people who say, open things up, um, uh, get it back to a normal with no coronavirus mandates or requirements, that's 43% of Republicans and only 3% of Democrats. Um, on the other side, you've got, um, for people who want to increase mask mandates and coronavirus vaccine requirements, 7% of Republicans, 32% of Democrats. So, I mean, again, we're only talking about a third of Democrats who want this stuff. Uh, they're outliers. They're not, you know, Glenn used to say this all the time. They don't surround us. We surround them. The people who want this thing open are the people who are winning and people are moving in that direction. Some of the things that we've been complaining about this entire time are finally turning into realities. Like, for example, we, how, how, how many times have we talked about, are you being hospitalized with COVID or are you being hospitalized for COVID? Do you come in with a respiratory problem? You can't breathe, you gotta be put on a ventilator? Well, that's one category. If you come in with a broken finger uh, from uh, playing football uh, and you happen to test positive for COVID and you're asymptomatic, that's a totally different category, isn't it? Well, it hasn't been for two years. And for whatever reason, we haven't been able to separate that out. I have done entire monologues on just that how annoying it is that our data is so terrible after multiple years and a promise from Joe Biden to fix it, which he has completely failed on. Um, but it is an interesting uh, part of this where now you're seeing people in the middle, people who are Democrats. Two thirds of Democrats don't want to add restrictions and add vaccine mandates. Two thirds. It's not just us anymore. It's not just the blaze, uh, you know, sitting out there as a as a a beacon of light in a, in a dark, stormy night. We have now seen a real change where the average person is saying, okay, I think we've got it. You know, I think we've understood it. And Omicron, I think, has helped that quite a bit. Uh, obviously, you know, there is a lot of, uh, you know, loss associated with Omicron as well, just because it spreads so wide. It's obviously much less deadly. Um, but there have been people who have really suffered, and I don't want to minimize that. But the fact that I think there was this thing that existed on the left that looked at Omicron as this sort of moral choice, that it's not Omicron, uh, Delta and the previous variants, as sort of this moral choice, right? If you, if you just mask up, if you stay, you stay six feet away, if you, don't, if you aren't risky, if you don't go out and eat all the time, if you don't do all those things those Republicans are doing, you won't get this virus. If you go and you do your stuff, you're going to be okay. And Omicron just slapped everybody in the face and said, screw off. I'm going wherever I want to go. And it infected the Northeast and it infected the South and infected everybody. It blew right through natural immunity. It blew through vaccine immunity as far as cases go. And so it really wound up being a thing that I think changed even the left's perspective. Who cares what changes their perspective at this point? I'm glad they're changing. I want our country back to the way it was. And we can hold those leaders responsible for the decisions they made uh, over the past couple of years. But it's important to get everybody back to the mindset that we can live our lives. Everybody, not just us, everybody. And, you know, every small business owner I always talk to says the same thing. I need uh, liberals to buy my, uh, my stuff, too. It's, I can't, I, uh, we have a 4% uh, profit margin when things are going normally. I need everybody back. And so we're starting to see that. And I think like one of the things that'll come out of this more than anything else is how poorly this was messaged, not by just our government, which as a conservative show, I am legally required to complain about, but also 
from the media. And I want to give you a couple different sides of a kind of approach when it comes uh, to the media and the way they handle when things are going badly. First of all, let me give you Brian Stelter. Now, Stelter, of course, is at CNN. Uh, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, you know, he's kind of a, a boogeyman, I guess, on, uh, up for conservatives, generally speaking. You know, I mean, whatever. I mean, I don't particularly cover Brian Stelter all that closely. But like this response from him this weekend caught my eye because here he is after all of this catastrophe going on at CNN, basically saying, hey, actually, we're doing a fantastic job. Watch. But the people who say we're lacking journalism, that we've become an all talk channel, that we've run off and we're all opinions all the time, that Jeff Zucker led us astray, those people aren't watching CNN. They're not watching CNN. They're watching complaints about CNN on other channels that don't know what they're talking about. That's the truth. Let's put the map up on screen of bureaus around the world. CNN has more bureaus around the world than almost any other news organization on the planet. That map covers the world. London and Moscow and Hong Kong and Beijing and Nairobi and all the rest. That's why one of the network's slogans is go there. On the day Jeff Zucker resigned, CNN aired more than 135 reporter hits, 135 reporters in the U.S. and around the world. I'm talking about dozens of live shots from international correspondents in just one day. On the day Jeff Zucker resigned, CNN published more than 215 stories on the website, nearly 90 original videos. That's a hell of a lot of news. It's a hell of a lot of journalism. First of all, what happens if something happens in Mongolia? You have no offices there. You have no idea what's going on in Mongolia. Uh, it's not the question of how many stories they do. The question is, what is the quality of the journalism? Now, there are a lot of good journalists at CNN. I worked there. I know some of the people, the producers, and, and really good people who are still there to this day. It is not as if they have no uh, talent and credibility uh, there behind the scenes. But what they've done since the Trump era began has turned into MSNBC Part 2. And uh, that does not mean... It's the same, even on MSNBC, their whole day isn't filled with that, but the stuff that grabs the headlines, the primetime stuff is. I mean, you, the fact that they kept Chris Cuomo on the air all that time is just an, enough to explain that to anybody. That was good as far as a pep talk for people who are still working at CNN, I'm sure. But that's not an honest uh, t uh, analysis as to what is going on over at CNN right now. Let me give you the other side of this, a different approach. This is a different topic. It's about inflation. And this is from uh, Derek Thompson. He's a, he's a journalist. And he was on a podcast, his, his podcast, talking to a former Obama official, uh, Jason Furman, who's an economist. And they were talking about inflation. Now, this is, has nothing to do with the CNN thing or anything else. I'm just talking about this approach. Imagine if people on CNN did this type of thing for COVID did this type of thing for the Russia investigation, did this type of thing for any number of thing, uh, issues that they've screwed up over the years. Listen to this approach from Derek Thompson. Number one, I was born in 1986. I've never really experienced major inflation in my lifetime. So it didn't seem like the sort of threat that I should pay close attention to. Like in this way, I guess it's a little bit like a pandemic. You underprepare for the sort of things for which you don't have firsthand experience. All right, so that's number one. Number two, other, also very personal, my career as a journalist started in 2009, 2010. That's the aftermath of the Great Recession. 
And that was a period when unemployment was consistently too high and consumer demand was consistently too low. I'm sure you remember this from your time in the Obama administration. So I wasn't thinking about inflation or supply side stuff at all. I was thinking about how do we get unemployment as low as it can possibly be as fast as possible. Okay, listen to the next Third, one. and this is the thing that maybe I shouldn't say, but I think it would be dishonest not to admit it. A part of me was kind of rooting for Biden. I was just really happy he beat Trump. And I think I let my emotions drag me toward a position that said, Biden won't have an inflation problem because I would rather he not have an inflation problem. <laughs> and like, that's a ridiculous thing to say out loud, a shameful thing to say out loud. But I do think that might've been like 5% of my motivated reasoning. It's Derek Thompson explaining why he said he missed the inflation thing coming. You might look at that and say, hey, wait a minute. This is a guy who's saying his coverage was flavored and tilted because of what he wanted to happen politically. And that's true. He just admitted it. But wasn't that refreshing to hear? Wasn't it refreshing to hear someone just say, yeah, you know, my guy, I kind of wanted my guy to do well. And maybe I blew it. And you know what? I'm going to do better next time. Now, that confession, right, doesn't help or work unless you follow it up with, hey, next time I'm going to catch myself on that. But that's a really important thing to do. And it's a type of thing we should encourage people to do. I mean, imagine if you had people on CNN coming out and saying, hey, by the way, you know, we kind of parroted everything Fauci said about masks at the, be- at the beginning. And, and we kind of got that totally wrong. And, you know, I don't know why. I guess it was just maybe it was a high pressure situation. And I thought Fauci was an authority figure. And, I, you know, I just misjudged. Maybe I didn't like Donald Trump. Uh, and so I just misjudged what he was saying at the time. Those types of things, I think, would, would lend incredible credibility and bring people back to the fold for an organization like CNN. They don't need more pep talks. They don't need more denial. What they need is someone who's going to be honest and say, look, here are the places we screwed up. We got it. Here's what we're doing to fix it. And every time that happens, call yourself out again. And people that don't agree with you, I mean, I don't obviously agree with Derek Thompson, I'm sure, on policy. But like when he says something uh, that is a little bit different than, than what I believe, I'm much more willing to listen to him because he's admitting at times I'm a little bit flawed, but I'm trying to do better. And I can actually look at that and take someone as an authentic person and try to understand who they are and where they're coming from. I don't think the American people are asking for more than that, but they're certainly not getting it. And they're not getting it from CNN. They're not getting it from anybody these days for the most part. It's important for people to understand we, we, all, we all get it. We're all people. We all make mistakes. We all have bias. We all have our, our misgivings. We all have our mistakes. But own up to them. Own them. And tell everybody about it. When you do that, people will respect you more, not less. A lot of people didn't even make New Year's resolutions this year. And you know what? I, I get it. I mean, because most of the time you just say, I want to lose weight, and then nothing happens. Uh, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't find a way to shake things up, whether it's you know, maybe switching your workout routine, going someplace new. Whatever way you challenge yourself this new year, there's no better way to do it than a pair of Raycon wireless earbuds. Uh, because, look, if you're going to be going out, you're going to be working out, you're going to be running, 
you're going to be just like listening to this podcast, uh, you know, in a place, you know, whether you're working on, uh, you're at work or whatever you're doing. Um, the Raycons are the best because they have these really nice gel tips that fit in your ear perfectly. Uh, they're really comfortable. They don't, do not come out of your ear like the other brands. They don't dangle below your ear like you're wearing earrings. Uh, they're just great everyday earbuds. They sound great. They feel great. They look great. You can put your head flat on a pillow with them in your ear and not have a problem. Raycons offer eight hours of playtime and 32-hour battery life, battery life, and they're priced uh, just right. You get quality audio at half the price than other brands. Right now, uh, listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash stew. It's buyraycon.com slash stew. Save 15% right now at buyraycon, R-A-Y-C, C-O-N, by Raycon.com slash Stu. Joining me once again is Rob Eno, Blaze TV's resident media critic. Rob, how's it going? Hey, very good. Good. Um, we haven't talked since this CNN thing. Since the entire <laughs> crazy network imploded. Yeah. I mean, since it really kicked into high gear, I, I, I haven't heard your take. What's your take on this? Um, so, I mean, it's interesting, right? This happens, I think, the day after or the day of uh AT&T and Discovery finalizing the plans for the merger, mm. for the spinoff of, of Warner Media, which is the parent company of CNN. And I think Discovery's taking control of it, is I think what's really happening. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be the Discovery management that is the new management. And it's funny that all that happens on that day and they get rid of the toxic person who's probably the number one threat to the Discovery CEO to be the head of the Discovery <laughs> Warner Media, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no coincidences. Yeah. But but the reaction of the folks at CNN is just absolutely insane. From from everybody from Jake Tapper to other on-air talent to Brian Stelter, of course, and then even like Chris Wallace yesterday was like, I came here for Jeff Zucker and he's gone now. I should have stayed at Fox. Yeah. Like is, that was like weird. Yeah, it is weird. It does seem like they the stance of a lot of the on air hosts is we're really upset that he left. Now, part of that is probably because they all knew the affair was going on the whole time. But this is less about the affair and more about what went on with Andrew Cuomo and the ownership changes and the Chris Cuomo lawsuit and all of that, isn't it? I mean, this isn't really just about a long term affair that everybody. No, that, that was that was the. Why do you want to say that? The convenient excuse to get rid of the person. But, you know, it's and I don't think and and I think I really think that the people that are going to be leading Watermania and the CEO let it out of the bag. He said, you know, the right, the the left side. And he's like, no, 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 no. I meant like on the org chart. There's like the left Mm -hmm. side of the news organization and the right side of the news organization. (laughs) And the left side is where that I didn't mean that it was like left and that sports is something that conservatives like. Right. Yeah, right. Okay, (laughs) right. It's exactly what he means. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that there is, I think the people at CNN, like Brian Stelter, don't understand that they're a left-wing network that is parroting government propaganda. Brian Brian Stelter got all upset. He's the resident uh, media cheerleader come (laughs) critic um, over at CNN. But he got all upset when people said, when his new boss most probably, the Discovery CEO said that, you know, that CNN needed to get back to journalism and away from opinion. Most of their daytime lineup is opinion. Mm -hmm. It's the headline news people and the international folks that are doing real news. Brian goes, well, there were 215 stories. How 
there are only 215 stories on your website. How many people do you have working for you oh on gosh. that website? Oh. Are they each doing like a half a story a day? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was the thing. I, I don't know what it is, but I mean, we pump out at the blaze, what, 25 with a staff of like six? Yeah. Right. Well, and I can tell you, we worked there. Yeah. Uh, the staff was, you know, our staff here is, you know, we're running on a, you know, bare bones compared to what we were at at Fox. Right. It's the same difference between Fox and CNN. I mean, you, you get two and three times the amount of people to do the same job at CNN. Right. Yeah. We so, were there at Headline News and we were at Headline News. We weren't even at the big, the mothership. Yeah. I mean, the, the 215 was the weird number that get me. Right. So they they don't have an understanding that all they do is push press releases and government propaganda. Mm -hmm. Brian Stelter and the people at CNN think that they're doing journalism when they have someone like Anthony Fauci on right. to talk about what the experts think. They don't take a step back and say, is this really what's happening? Look at the mask stuff all of a sudden. All of a sudden, everybody, because there's elections this year and Democratic mm -hmm. governors want to get reelected, everybody's going, Oh, this whole mess, it doesn't even seem like it's working. All the data shows that <laughs> it's not working. So, you know, but when you would question that, you'd get taken off of social media and people like Brian Stelter and the people at CNN would, you know, say that you were producing COVID misinformation. Mm -hmm. They have somebody on this week, their CNN medical expert goes, well, the science changed. No, the science didn't change. No. It's been the same all along. The political reality changed. And you're saying that, quote unquote, the science changed. Yes, the science, which is politics change. Yeah. I mean, science. Did. My, my understanding is the science never changes. Our understanding of the science might Correct. change. We could be wrong about something we thought we knew, but the science doesn't change. Right. The science is the science. Yeah, it's thus, but the science is yes. politics, yes. which is changeable and yes. fungible. Um, so let, let me talk a little bit more broadly about the media landscape, especially as it comes to cable news. Now, cable news does not have the influence it once did. Correct. There's a lot of, you know, obviously digital is, is, is a big player there and the networks are still there. But cable news still has an outsized influence on the debate, I think, in this country. And there was a time where you had Fox, who kind of leaned to the right, and MSNBC, who leaned very far to the left. And then you had CNN, which was to the left, but still attempting to do news. And at some point, I think under Zucker's leadership, they decided we should try to be MSNBC. Let's try to do what they're doing. And maybe there was enough there during the Trump era, because there was so much hate for Trump, that you could do that. There could be two networks in that space. Obviously, we've seen their ratings. There's no room for that anymore. I mean, is there a place, with all the divisions in our country, for a place that just freaking does news? Would that work? I, I, I would hope so. I, I would hope that a place that just, here are the facts, here's this side of the fact, here's that side of the fact. Anthony Fauci says this, the guy from John Hopkins that won or wherever it was that mm -hmm. the the epidemiologist that won the Nobel Prize said that said this. The truth is somewhere in the middle. We'll let you make up your mind like Fox used to be that you we report you decide. Yeah. But no, it's Anthony Fauci said this. Anthony Fauci is the expert. The government are the experts. <laughs> right. Any epidemiologist, even if they're credentialed and have been in the field for 40 years, that say something different than the government thing is spreading misinformation. That's not journalism. That's the party line. And I think you see it with people like Joe Rogan, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're on Joe Rogan overload, and do I have to bring Joe Rogan yeah, into no, the conversation? Know. We are on Rogan but, but Joe Rogan proves a point that you don't need Fox, MSNBC, um, CNN, 
the New York Times, the Boston Globe, the L.A. Times to get a point across. Mm. Somebody said today I saw her on the Internet, you know, everybody's saying, well, I can't believe that Spotify is giving Joe Rogan this platform. No, 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 no. Joe Rogan had the platform by himself. Spotify wanted Joe Rogan's listeners to be subscribers, so they went out and got Joe Rogan. Joe yeah. Rogan will have his influence even if he's not on Spotify. That's going to happen, and that scares the heck out of people like Ryan Stelter and people at CNN who think that only they are the, the, the people that understand what it is. But there's other people, and I think it's interesting with this merger, right? You've got Discovery. Probably taking over Warner Media. I think that, that that's from everything what I've read. Yeah. That's what it looks like uh, is going to yes. happen. And you have somebody that's been at Discovery Networks for 20 years that has the voice of the everyman. That if they put him on the editorial board in an advisory capability for CNN, mm-hmm. worked with the Discovery people for a while, I think you would see CNN get back to the regular news. And that's Mike Rowe. Mm-hmm. I think if you took Mike Rowe and you put him not in charge of CNN because he's not an no, editor in yeah. chief. He's not anything like that. But if you put him on some sort of editorial advisory board because he's a big part of your company as Warner Discovery or Discovery Warner or whatever they're going to call it and has been for a long time and has shown that he understands mm. everyday people and he understands how to get around the elites, I think that that the biggest thing that would lend credibility to CNN and would get them to stop being in their bubble is if at the editorial board meeting, once every two weeks, Mike Rowe walks in and says, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? I was sitting in an airport in Peoria and I saw your CNN on the TV and everybody was laughing at you. And you know why everybody was laughing at you? Because you said this, 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 and this, and they think that you're fools. That's great. That's a great idea, man. That, that, that would be fantastic. I mean, I mean you know, the Discovery people, I would if you're listening, I want to be yeah. like a consultant and make yeah. you do that. But I mean, I want to watch that as a show, too. I want the, right. the meeting to be filmed and micro berating them as a show. At least that's just for me, because um, that's a great idea. And I, I thought of this as a because Joe Rogan's a little bit too far from the news of the day. I mean, right. he does also, you know, he's doing MMA half the time. But like if you had a lineup, if you, if you looked at that primetime lineup and you had people like like Mike Rowe, like, you know, Megyn Kelly, like Barry Weiss, like these people that are you that will handle an issue with some credibility that will speak um, to can speak to both sides, can boil something down to to a to a level that people can understand. I mean, that would be, I think, huge. I, I mean, I think I would watch that a lot. I, as much as I like Fox, sometimes I know what I'm getting from Fox. You know, I want to get something a little bit different. And I think that would work. I mean, CNN used to have Larry King. Yeah. An excellent interviewer, somebody be on for an hour, mm-hmm. a half an hour. It's like the old Dick Cavett show, yeah. something like that. And, and people say, oh, no, you know, that that can't be in this t- day and age. You've got Tim Ferriss that does a three hour podcast yeah. with people. You've got Joe Rogan yeah. that does a three hour podcast with people. You've got Glenn Beck that does like an hour and a half deep mm-hmm. dive podcast with people. That content is there. Yeah. People are missing it. I, I watched an old um, Dick Cavett last week with Jerry Lewis for an hour. And it was Fantastic. Mm. And it, it was Jerry Lewis not being, oh, hi, hi, that, yeah. that guy. It was Jerry Lewis being the serious director, actor, talking about how he does stuff, those sorts of things. And it was fantastic. Yeah, that's right. That's that. missing. Yeah. Like, like, like CNN had a good thing with Larry King. They got rid of him because he was old or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Mike Rowe doing his, oh, yeah. the way I heard it, yeah. but every night on CNN. 
Oh, it'd be great. I mean, people would turn in and watch that. You know, and it's 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 funny. They gave up the. Now look, CNN was never. I mean, I remember Rush Limbaugh talking about the Clinton News Network. I mean, they were never right. a, a, a a middle of the road network. It's important to understand. Of course, they were liberal, but at least they were trying for credibility. And like, that's the hard one. Like, it's easy to get a bunch of opinion people, like adults like me on the on TV, telling you what they think every night. I mean, that's that's that's. You know, there's a space for it, but the credibility is the hard one to get. And they just sacrificed it for no reason, just to yell at Orange Man Bad. I mean, it's just such a silly, silly move. And I think they're going to be paying for it for a long time. I absolutely agree. I mean, it's just news is hard. Real news is hard. And especially in a fast-paced environment like cable mm. news. I mean, you know, real news is calling both sides of the people. They don't do that at CNN any- no. any- anymore. But having both sides of an issue on, if they're writing a story about Glenn Beck, Having Glenn Beck on and not, you know, sandbagging him and asking him a question that wasn't the part of the interview, like a yeah. certain somebody mm-hmm. um, that might go by Mr. Potato Head said did to him <laughs> a while back. Um, I wasn't here at the blaze then. This was pre-merger uh, uh, and I was like livid for Glenn when that happened. Yeah. But <laughs> but having both sides of an issue on, you know, it, having like I said, Anthony Fauci and the per and the, that person that. The, the epidemiologist mm-hmm. that had a different take having I mean, you made ivermectin out to be horse paste. Yeah. Did you ever think of calling the person that got the Nobel Prize <laughs> right. for ivermectin being more than a horse paste mm-hmm. for treating malaria, for treating all sorts of viral diseases in the third world? The Japanese guy who got the Nobel yeah. Prize for that. Did you ever think of asking him to be on and asking him the questions and what his side of the story is? No, you took the government's position. How many people died during the COVID pandemic because CNN was stubborn? Mm. And we'll never know. Um, right. You know, it's interesting because like I, even you know, watching, uh, I watched the Joe Rogan, Sanjay Gupta interview. And like, you know, there's a couple of clips that went viral from that where they were kind of going back and forth about the horse right. pace uh, the debate. Um, but the interview as a whole was interesting. Like, you know, Joe obviously comes at it from a place he's sort of a, you know, a, a skeptic of some of these things, right. um, but is sane and rational and wants to learn. And Sanjay Gupta is obviously kind of like a, a more mainstream guy and yeah. protecting a little bit of his position. And they butted heads a little bit, but it was an interesting conversation. And that type of stuff is, you know, you, it's all over the podcast world. It exists here. Yeah. It exists in the podcast world. It does not exist on cable news. There's a hole for that type of thing, plus some real news. CNN would have a chance, and Discovery does seem to be a much more sane group of people that maybe could bring this uh, to a place that Zucker couldn't. So, yeah. I mean, uh, we got to go. We're, we're running a little bit late. Rob, you know, media critic. I got to talk to you about that for an hour. Uh, right here, Blaze TV. Uh, make sure to check out Rob uh, on the socials and such. Rob, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me on. All right, the three-week the three week rule. What is the three-week rule? Well, uh, you got to wait three weeks to buy a new car, a new home, to refinance a home. Any big purchase, wait three weeks. Why three weeks? Because that's how fast the average ScoreMaster user takes to boost his or her credit score, an average of 61 points. Only three weeks. And listen, 61 points added to your credit score can save you tens of thousands of dollars on like a, a home or a big purchase. ScoreMaster technology was developed by credit data scientists to boost your credit score higher and faster 
faster than you ever thought possible. They basically reverse engineered all these complicated algorithms and they're putting that to work for you. ScoreMaster is so easy. It takes about a minute to get started and you don't have to wait months and months and months for your best credit score. Just a few weeks. Try ScoreMaster for free right now and see how many plus points you can add to your credit score. Go to scoremaster.com slash stew. It's scoremaster.com slash stew. Check it out now. Scoremaster.com slash stew. Shaquille O'Neal is getting uh, his face in the news a little bit uh, recently over the vaccine thing. Now, this is an interesting story. It says uh, former NBA player Shaquille O'Neal has been among the chorus of celebrity voices in favor of the vaccine in the last several months and their enforced regulations both in and outside of the league. Hmm. I don't know that they have evidence to support that exactly, but now Shaq is singing a different tune. While he remains pro-vax, he expressed new sentiments on his podcast where he said individuals shouldn't have to choose between getting vaccinated and keeping their jobs. Now, their evidence, it seems to me that he's just pro-vaccine but anti-mandate. Now, their evidence to say that he was at one time pro-mandate seems to be he was encouraging Kyrie Irving to take the vaccine. Obviously, there was a, a mandate issue with it in New York. But his approach on that seems to just be, hey, your team needs you to play. Just suck it up and do it. Now, I, that's not that simple for a lot of people. Some people really have strong feelings about this and are not going to do that. But his point was more of just like, hey, you, your teammates need you. Just make that choice. I don't think he was saying everybody in America should have be forced to take the vaccine. And he's now saying he does not believe that. So I don't know if there's a real change of heart there, but it seems like he's just more like, look, I like the vaccine, but you shouldn't have to get it. Seems to be his position. Um, the position of, uh, of Stacey Abrams is a little different. Uh, she is uh, having a really tough time right now. We're going to get into that here in a second with new pictures of Stacey Abrams. And normally that's not clickbait. Uh, it's not, not exactly a good tease. You're going to see photos of Stacey Abrams. Uh, but these you'll want to see. Back in a second. This year, Valentine's gifts are easy with Tommy John. We're talking about loungewear, pajamas, underwear from Tommy John. You don't want to miss out on this stuff. Uh, whenever you or your favorite person are wearing Tommy John, you're that much more comfortable. You can do everything better. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics, and I'm one of them. 98% of men and women love stuff from Tommy John. Uh, Tommy John loungewear is great to wear around the house. It's really super comfortable. They have the four-way stretch and all the really comfortable fabrics. You're going to love it. Over 17 million pairs sold. Tommy John's made couples across the country comfier than ever. They can do the same for you and your Valentine. Plus, there's no risk. Every gift is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free guarantee. You get 20 bucks off your order of 100 bucks or more right now at tommyjohn.com slash stew. Go to tommyjohn.com slash stew for 20 bucks off. Why not? tommyjohn.com slash stew. See site for details. So Stacey Abrams took a picture of herself unmasked with a bunch of masked children. And this is like Terry McAuliffe level blowing up your campaign bad. Uh, her spokesperson released this statement. Stacey trusts science and supports masking in schools. And it's the current CDC recommendation. She wore a mask to the event and re removed it at the podium so she could be heard by students watching remotely and for photos, but only with fo folks who were masked. Well, now there's more photos that have come out and she didn't have a mask on, it seems, at any point uh, during this entire time. And look, 
the kids are there. They're all masked. She's the only one who is vulnerable here. The, she's, you know, very uh, overweight and she is the person who is in trouble here, not the kids uh, who uh, have masks on throughout. Now, of course, I guess you could say the thing she only took it off for photos because the only way we know she had it off was when photos were taken. So I guess in theory, she could have taken it off 9,000 different times for photos. But man, there's a lot of pictures here of her maskless to support her idiotic spokesperson's recommendation and uh, spin. So Stacey Abrams, I don't know. This is a bad one. We'll see if she can survive uh, this with her campaign back in a second. The Cuomo brothers and their mugs are the gifts that keep on giving. Make sure to go to StuDoesMerch.com, 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 and you can get them. And don't forget to subscribe as well, BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you'll save 10 bucks. We'll see you tomorrow.